because at first I was like, no, that's not happening. Like, they're going to go back and say like that. Yeah. I kept waiting for them to be like, oh, yeah, you guys stop celebrating. We're coming. <laughs> We're coming back. Yeah. Me too. I was saying exactly that. I was like, no, it's if the ref's going to call it back. Hi, it's us again. Welcome to Snacks, delivered by Grubhub. I'm Lynn Williams. And I'm Sam Mewis. And this is a show about women's soccer, but it's also about our new snack boxes. We got these new snack boxes from Grubhub. And you want to hear a funny story, but it wasn't that funny this morning. I guess. I was trying to leave the house to go to practice and I couldn't find my keys. And I was like, where have they been? I haven't seen them all day. And obviously I just flew back. So my brain has been like scattered. I accidentally put them in this box. And you thought to check in there? Yeah, for some reason. But wow. it was like an hour. I was like, where are these keys? Not actually an hour, but. Wow, you have mush brain. I am a mush. Well, here is what we are doing. We're so excited the podcast is back. We are going to talk for a while about how excited we are. Then we're going to recap the World Cup with Lynn. Then we're getting joined by the only goalkeeper ever to convert a penalty kick in a World Cup, Alyssa Nair. Mm -hmm. And finally, we will talk about what we have in store for the rest of the snacks slash NWSL season. But before we get to all that, we're back. We're back. Did you miss me? Lynn, I missed you so much. Oh, I missed you too. When we did this recording with Alyssa, I was immediately like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy doing this. And I'm so happy to be back. I know. Me too. And I like, I was telling um, Sam that I was so jet lagged, but I felt like this gave me like a new energy that afternoon that I normally I would have been napping. It wakes you back up. I know. It gives you life. Well, I've missed you. The whole World Cup, I wanted to text you. And then I was like, oh, don't text her. Leave her alone. And I feel like you probably did that with me as well. I'm I did. I did that with all of you guys. And Christy just kept going, Sam, like, you're my sister. Like, you're the only person I want to talk to. And I was like, oh. But I was just trying to leave you all alone. But I was rooting for you so hard. <sighs> Thanks. We failed, they tell us. <sighs> all right. Let's talk about it then. You're back from the World Cup. Just straight back into it, straight back into the Gotham, the Bats world. Yeah. How does it feel being back? It feels like good. I, it's like a weird feeling, actually. Like, I'm so excited to be here and, and be playing again. But at the same time, like, there's so much that goes into the World Cup and so much emotion that I don't think you can just get through all of that within two weeks of time. Yeah. Have you seen that um, documentary? I can't remember what it's called, but it's, they're talking about the Olympics and how um, like athletes work so hard, they get to the Olympics and they come down and it like they yeah. get, come into this like depression. And not that I'm depressed at all, but I have this like weird like numb feeling mm -hmm. about it. And maybe I would have felt differently if we won, but because mm -hmm. we didn't, it's just like a like we work so hard to get there. And it's not like the dream is to make the world cup. The dream is to win the world cup. And just personally, I was like, I, it's always been really hard for me to make the team. And then I tear my hamstring and then I'm like, I'm f fighting to come back. Then I finally make it. And then just like in a split second, it's over. Oh, I know. I like hate that for you. And in, I'm like smiling, but it's like not funny. I'm having a problem with my emotions. <laughs> I know. I mean, it must've been so devastating. Like obviously you and I understand what goes into making the team and how much, how much it takes to keep going in a tournament like this. And I feel like there was so much talk around the team and what was going mm -hmm. on. And I wanted to just ask you from your perspective, when you were there, 
what was going on? How were you guys feeling as the games started, as the games went on? What was the feeling within the team? Because obviously us on the media side, like don't mm -hmm. know anything. So I feel like people will be really interested to hear from your perspective, what it felt like. Yeah. I mean, I think that we obviously knew that we weren't playing that well, but at the same, on the other side of that, like the, after the first three game, like the goal is to get it out of the group. And so we're like, okay, we aren't playing well. We have still gotten out of the group and we want to continue to like build, 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 and then peak at the final. And mm -hmm. so I think it was like hard because there was a lot of confusion on the field. And I think that that was shown in the games that we played, like our press was all off. And then that led to um, positioning being wrong. And then that led to not being able to keep the ball going forward because then you weren't in a good position to support your teammates. And that, like there was just, it wasn't one thing that you could like put your finger on. It was just accumulation of like, what do we do now? Like, where do we fix? Where do we start? Like, how do we go from here? But it was encouraging because we were like making, we made it out of the group, you know? So on one hand, we were like, this isn't going well. And we recognize that and we hold ourselves to the highest standard of the high standard. And then on the other hand, we're through. So when it came to the Sweden game, we had come together before that. And as a team, we're just like, what can we do to fix this? And I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of like what mm -hmm. we said, but I think that like that game, what was so exciting and then also devastating about not just losing, but in the fashion that we lost um, is that we finally had like looked more like ourselves than we had looked in the whole tournament. Yeah, totally. What, what was it like for you individually? Obviously like sorry to bring up bad yeah. memories, but not getting into the first two games. And then you started the third game. You came in, you had, you did great. You had the most shots on goal per 90 minutes played in the entire tournament. Like how were those first two games? And then the second two games where you had more of a role on the field, like what were you going through as an individual? Yeah. I think that that's like where my biggest struggle was like, it's obviously a team sport and you want to give all that you can possibly give to the starting team. Like, I don't think that people talk about like the emotions within the team sport of the individual that often because mm -hmm. every single person is going through something. And if you are a starter and you have all that pressure on your shoulders every single game, like that's one thing. And then if you're a sub, that's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. they're uniquely challenging in their own ways. Mm -hmm. But me, like I felt like I was, I came into camp great. Like I, I felt like I had been playing the best soccer I had been play I've played in a really long time and playing free and just confident. And I knew I wasn't going to be starting, but I had a conversation uh, with Lacko and he was like, we're going to, we see you as coming in for X amount of minutes. Um, and this is what the role, and it was a very clear role. And I was like, I can completely live into that. That's awesome. And I, I was, I wasn't like mad about the role at all. I was like, okay, great. Mm -hmm. I can come in and channel my inner Kristen press and just be like a super sub and, and whatever knowing that. And I think that that's important to like, when you know your role, you can live into that role 100%. Yeah. And so I like clung on to, or I was clinging on to that. And so with Vietnam, not playing in that, that, I mean, on some level, it's like devastating because you're like, everybody's getting into the game and I'm not getting into the game. But then on the other side, you're like, this is a team. It's not about me. So it doesn't matter what my feelings are right now. Like it, mm. who cares? It's about what the team needs. So I just told myself, I was like, okay, just stay in it. You're fine. Like there's another game, just stay in it. And 
And then the Netherlands game came and I just felt like I could have made a big impact. And I, of course, everybody thinks that like we wouldn't be on the team if we didn't think we could make an impact. And so to not get subbed into that, it was another like, okay, like just stay in it. And I just had to remind myself again, like, it's not about you. It's about the team. So whatever the decisions were made, just support that decision and make your teammates the best teammates you can possibly be. And so then when I got the news that I was starting in the Portugal game, it was so exciting. Like, obviously I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Like, this is what I want. But I also felt like I hadn't played a soccer game in a long time. So Mm -hmm. then I was like battling that internal confidence of like, okay, Lynn, you're fine. You haven't played in a while. Like, are you going to be fine out there? And then obviously the game just like didn't go, I don't think well for us at all. I know we tied and got through, but it just like they, they controlled the game and it was like defensively a nightmare. And then like you start replaying, I think I like, I missed a shot right in front of the goal. And I'm like, this is a nightmare. Like you could have scored the goal. We could have won the game, blah, blah, blah. But because that game happened and it was so terrible, I think it, if we were to score, it would have masked all the problems that we mm. were having. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was the moment for us to be like, okay, we are guaranteed one more game. We've got through this stage and how do we like go back to basically the basics and figure it out? And so um, I was hopeful to like start the next game, obviously didn't, um, which was fine. And then got in obviously for, for quite a bit of time in the last game. And so it was so fun to get into that game. I felt like I was actually having like a okay time. <laughs> like, um, like it was fun, but also we were pushing for a goal. So it wasn't like smile fun soccer. Right. You know what I mean? It was like, right. We're playing well, like let's score a goal. Yeah. Um, and so that was like it that game in itself was like, we're doing so well, we're gonna score a goal, and then like we're out. So I don't know if that answers the question, but there was a lot of different emotions, like I think throughout the whole camp of like trying to just stay in it. Well, we're gonna cover the penalty kick shootout and how it felt to lose the game mm-hmm. a lot later in this episode when Alyssa comes on, but I wanted to just go back and ask. You said something like you understood your role and mm-hmm. you, while individually you can be frustrated about playing time, you recognize that you just, you're there for the team. You have to just be the best teammate that you can. Mm-hmm. Do you think in moments like that, there's, I mean, t- maybe 10 players on the bench who are itching to get out there. Yeah. Do you think it's like an individual responsibility to have a brave face on, to suck it up, to get through, to keep bringing your best every day? Or do you think it's a combination of like, supporting each other is it on the individual or is it a team effort to keep everybody invested in those moments I think it's a bit of both I think that I mean you can't look on the sidelines and and look so distraught and Mm -hmm. like you're not going to give to the team because I think that the bench you feed off the bench when you're on the field Mm -hmm. and you also there's this sense of like okay you believe in yourself but if your teammates believe in you and the coaching staff believes in you then you're like oh like I'm starting to believe myself even more and more and Mm -hmm. more. So I think that you have to give a hundred percent of yourself in those moments to the team, Mm -hmm. which honestly is like more exhausting than, than playing sometimes. Like (laughs) after those two games, I was like, I am so exhausted. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't even do anything, but like mentally you're just drained that you're like, I gotta go to bed. But I also think that if you want a collective goodness and a mentally sound team you have to make sure you're checking in with one another and that doesn't mean that every single person has to go up to to me or I need to go and be like how are you doing how are you doing you but you need to find it around yeah like find your people that you can 
vent to in a safe spot place away from the team to get mm -hmm. it out of your system. And then also making sure that like, if you see somebody's having a bad day, like going up to them and, and not saying like, I see you're having a bad day. Do you want to come talk to me? But just like giving them a, like you're doing fine or encouraging them a little bit more. I think that that's a collective responsibility. I totally agree. I think what you said, like you give so much, whether it's physically on the field or emotionally from the bench, that mm -hmm. the idea of then giving more to another person who may be struggling is so difficult. But yeah. if you need that and you're receiving that, you need to give it back too. And I, know. I think ultimately at the end of a tournament, no matter how you do, your tank is just completely empty because mm -hmm. you've given physically you've given emotionally and then you've gone even further to individually try and lift people back up that need it and that's i think the mark of a great team is just everybody's giving everything they have to yeah. each other all the time i feel well, like this go ahead sorry no i was just gonna say i feel like i learned that from you but on the field like and i think it applies off the field as well because you remember when you used to say like if you're having a bad game or you're thinking all these stuff like get outside of yourself and start yeah. just talking and directing people yeah i think that's like the same thing off the field as well like if you're yeah. having a bad time like get outside of you because in in those environments it's very easy to feel like spotlight effect totally i i that's such good advice it's like instead of spiraling inwardly just high five somebody yeah. And like connect with them or make eye contact with them or tell them what you need. Like, it's so easy to stay internal and to go back to your room and be like, oh my God, what on earth is happening out yeah. here? But if you text somebody and ask how they're doing, or if you purposely go out mm -hmm. of your way to sit with somebody in the meal room and talk to them, like you just feel better. Like that connection is so helpful. I would, my next question was, I feel like I want to ask you this now in the first episode back and then maybe later on. Yeah. But like, do you have a big takeaway of what you learned at this World Cup? Or do you feel like you need more time to realize what it was? Yes, there's bits and pieces that I can take away from it. But I don't think that I can go, like I said, go through all the emotions in two weeks. Yeah. Um, I think that like on an individual level, I can recognize like the magnitude of what I just played in and like the World Cup in the World Cup in 2023. Because like, I think it was different than 2019. Like the teams, the investment, the, mm -hmm. what Australia just did and to mm -hmm. promote women's soccer and that, like all of those things I can recognize and say, I was a part of that. And that's so cool in the history of Lynn Williams and soccer. But what's like unique about this team is that the standard and not just within us, but everywhere around the world is that the, if we don't win, we fail. And I think to hold that standard is on one hand, very, um, it's like an honor. And on the other hand, it's like really daunting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a takeaway of like, we have to, the, the U S national team has to go through so much more and it's carry so much than I think other national teams have to. Um, that's not an excuse for how we played. It's, I just think it's the reality of the situation. And then on the field stuff, like I, I don't even know, I don't even know where to begin with that because I, there was, I, I just, I think we were too talented to have the outcome that we did. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I like, I feel like I understand where you're at, where you are still processing everything. So I would love to ask you that again later this season. And, um, yeah. you're back at Gotham. And you have an NWSL season to finish. You guys are trying to make playoffs. The Olympics are less than a year away. Like, where is your head at now? And how are you, like, approaching these next few weeks and months? Well, I'm back at Gotham. We got a game this weekend. Go Bats. 
go bats. So that's where my head's at right now. Actually, my head's at like just trying to get on the right time zone, like <laughs> not feel heavy, like one step at a time. But I feel like I have to pour myself into like what's in front of me at, in that moment. So like, I'm just going to give my all to Gotham. And I think that that's what it's going to make me the best Lynn, but also like, that's what Gotham deserves from me as well. And then I, I'm like excited for the future. Like the Olympics is not that far away. And I know that that's going to be a tough roster to make, and I'm going to do my best to try to make it. But at the same time, like we don't have a coach. So that's also kind of like exciting, but scary at the same time. Yeah. So I don't really know where my head's at. I think my head's, I'm just going to try to stay present and like just live day by day right now and, and say like, okay, how can I be best Lynn today? And then everything else will hopefully fall into place. I think that's so great. We are yeah. going to talk a lot more about the world cup and jet lag and getting back and the new coach with Alyssa later on this episode. But right now it is time for the delivery of the week delivered by Grubhub. It is time now for the delivery of the week delivered by Grubhub. The delivery of the week goes out to our friend, Ashley Hatch. Two minutes into stoppage time, Hatch stepped up to take a penalty. She sent Bella Bixby the wrong way and slotted it easily into the left corner. A lengthy VAR review and the chance at a late equalizer did not stop the ice in Hatchie's veins. And she saved a point for the spirit. What a delivery. Satisfy every craving with a delicious food delivery from Grubhub. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Alyssa Nair. Do you want to dive deeper into women's sports news of the week? You can get the latest news delivered straight into your inbox. That's right. You can start your morning off right five days a week with the Just Women's Sports newsletter, our free daily newsletter that brings you the latest and greatest in women's sports. Whether it's breaking news, exclusive conversations, or just a cool stat that you might be missing, we've got you covered. So never miss a story on women's sports. You can subscribe for free at justwomensports.com backslash newsletter. That's justwomensports.com backslash newsletter. And we'll see you in your inbox. Okay, we are so excited to introduce a woman who needs no introduction. She is the only keeper in the history of the Women's World Cup to both save and convert a penalty, 2015 and 2019 World Cup champion, and most importantly, a six-time record-setting, she believes, cup champion. Six-timers club. It's a listener. Lissy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. Alyssa, you're back in Chicago. Back in Chicago. You sprinted through the airport and got all sweaty to get there. What was the first thing you did when you got home? I honestly think I just like took a shower. Was like I was so ready to take a shower. We'd been traveling, I think, for like thirty hours. So took a shower. Oh woke up at two thirty in the morning, made a pot of coffee, just like kind of was ready for the day. Jet lag was like uh yeah, <laughs> I'm like going through it right now. Like I have been up since four AM. Yeah, I just kind of partly well, like I decided to come right back to Chicago instead of like kind of going anywhere else, mostly because I was like, I just want to be able to like be in my own space and not even fight the jet lag. Like if I want to wake up mm. at 2.30, I'm going to wake up at 2.30, I'm going to make coffee and I'm gonna watch TV. If I want to go take a nap at 7 a.m. till 9 a.m., I'm going to take a nap from 7 to 9. And then just kind of, I didn't try to fight it for like four days, which was kind of nice. Yeah, Alyssa, I feel like when you're away for that long, like the first few days of getting home you're just like trying to like feel like a human again like you have to get groceries and like sleep and do laundry like the thought of having to like get right back into soccer is absurd because you've been away from literally everything for so long what are other things that like get you back on track to feeling like normal again 
I think that just trying to as quickly as I can get back into like any sort of like routine. So like mm-hmm. whether it's going to the grocery store or going to out to get stuff or like what I would normally do in a regular day. But like, I mean, you guys know, it's like the weird thing about being in camp and especially in the tournament for, I mean, we were gone for what, like eight weeks. Oh, it was yeah, a long time. Months, so think, it's like, yeah. and every night we would go to bed and we would be given our schedule for the next day. Like, so we knew like what time we had to be at breakfast, what time. And now it's like, the weird thing about coming home from a tournament is like, I'm like, wait, where's my breakfast? Yeah. No, yeah. no one's gonna, <laughs> where's the, oh, I have to get lunch? Like what, I'm like, should I go run today? Should I wait a couple of days? Like, I think it was just like that weird, like I get, it's like a weird thing. Like I get to make my own schedule, but mm. I also have to make my own schedule. And yeah. it's like that weird balance of, Where's Soph? Can uh, can someone let me know what, what time I have to be where? <laughs> yeah, that is like such a like a battle in your mind. Because like in camp, all you want to do is be on your own schedule. But then at the same time, you're like, I don't have to think about anything. Because you're in there and you're like, oh, I just want to like make my own food. And you get home and you're like, I don't And you have to wanna... do the dishes. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what? You're like damn what? it. <laughs> Why? Was but there... I also kind of was like this is weird. Like I, again, with the not fighting the jet lag, I started having like lunch at 930 in the morning. Like I was like, I, yeah, I didn't like, I did not go ascribe to any sort of like breakfast food, lunch food, dinner food. I was like, I opened the fridge and I just started laughing because there was literally nothing in there. And I was like wandering around the grocery store so aimlessly, like a zombie, just like throwing stuff. It like no rhyme, which is so unlike me. I'm usually very organized, very like, this is what I'm going to make every day for all of my meals. And I was like, meh. That looks good. <laughs> Let me just see what this is. I'm like, I have no idea what I did. I feel like, I don't know if you've talked about this yet, but I feel like everybody is just dying to know when you stepped up to take your PK, can you just talk to us a, a little bit about that? Can you, sorry, go back when you heard that you were going to be taking a PK and then yeah. tell us? Obviously, you guys know we have like our routines of like what the PKs are. Like they're very specific about like, okay. As soon as the whistle blows, this is this is the plan. Like, we have a plan for everything. And it was like, okay, field players, you guys go. Like, you're going to listen to Vlaco. He's going to give the order. Like, goalkeepers, you go over on the side. So I'm, like, going over. I'm, like, trying to get, like, ready and everything else. Doing, like, going through, like, last minute, like, preparation stuff. Like, trying to remember everything that I was, like, you know, studying, preparing for, this and that. And Pooley left the circle, which was weird, and then came back. He goes, oh, by the way, you're number six. And I looked up, I go, what? Pardon me? I go, I go, six? He was like, yeah. up there. He goes, yeah. He's like, he's going to be great. I go, and then Aubrey goes, don't worry, it's not even going to get to six. And I go, okay, cool. And I literally was like, okay. And I like went back to like, I don't know, drinking a water bottle or something. But I was more so like counting because I was like, okay, don't like not pay attention to like when number six is. (laughs) <laughs> and there's like that oh awkward gosh. standing of like who's supposed to go do this i'm like oh honestly like i don't remember a lot of it i just remember like putting the ball down and i heard the whistle blow and then there was a second that i was like oh i gotta i, I have to go kick this like i was like i felt like i was waiting almost like too long <laughs> like to go but and yeah just trying to kick it hard Oh my gosh, Alyssa, t- let, from my perspective, I want to hear Lynn's perspective on this whole thing as well. But from my perspective, watching you, like everybody takes a PK and then they go and they run back to the line and they're like done. Like you 
buried your PK. Like, no doubt about it. And then you just walked back into the goal. <laughs> and I was like, this is the most badass thing I've literally ever seen. Like, did you feel like that was so baller? I Like, in the moment, <laughs> no. Because I was like... I feel, I mean, you know me well enough to go, like, I get really intense. Like, I'm, like, very singularly focused on, like, task at hand. Like, I was so happy to, like, score it. And I was like, oh, now I got to go back and goal. Like, I have to go, like, I, my job is not done. Like, I still need to go and, like, try to make a save. So I think that was more like, okay, that part, like, check that box. That was done. Like, now on to the next. Like, I still got to go be a goalkeeper. First of all, PKs are crazy in general. But to be a keeper in the PK situation is double crazy because you're up every single kick and also you like you like you said you have so much studying in your mind that you have to do and before that moment but then like there's a whole routine for when you kick the ball as well so like it's just it's incredible that you had to like switch between both minds and at the same time like I didn't even think about it like counting the position you're in because obviously we know we're like in order so it's like yeah. okay I'm next I didn't even think about that like yeah. Lynn, how did you feel watching the PKs? Um, <sighs> sorry. Jesus. <Yeah. laughs> um, well, I felt good. It was a different feeling, Sam, than the Olympics. I was trying to like replay it in my mind. First of all, I kind of like blacked out a little bit. I think. Yeah, I get that. Um, the Olympics obviously was so different. Me and you were on the side and we were just like, I, at one point I was like, I'm going to get a brain aneurysm because we were screaming. And then like, we would I know, stop the screaming headache. and screaming. And I was like, I have the biggest headache in the world. Yeah. But obviously like the very beginning of the PKs was amazing. Like it was going so well. And then Alyssa, you stopped one. And I was like, this is, this is sick. Like we're going to go through. Um, and then to watch Liz go up there and score hers. I was like, this is this is our time. Like, this is amazing. And then obviously it didn't work out in our favor. So it, it was like a lot of like nerves and like, but also calm at the same time. I remember I had my arm around Nay, but I was also touching, I think, Sunny on the shoulder. And then I had my arm around Julie and I was touching, I can't remember, elbows. And I, I like, I remember every single time we'd come back, I would like put my arms in the exact same position. Yeah. But funny thing, like I was, I was like watching every single one. And then the one right before Liz, you saved the first one, my, I like, for some reason was like, I need to close my eyes. And then I opened it up and you were saving the ball. And I was like, Oh, this is incredible. And I felt like in that moment, I was like giving you all of my like help. I obviously we can't help you, but I was like, I'm Lynn, you, you saved the PK. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But no, it's just like so many mixed emotions and it was just like, I don't know, but to watch Alyssa score and then go back in the goal, I was like, this is incredible. Like Alyssa, how does it, how does it feel to save one? I guess in like a, a like a, a weird rush. Like you can kind of, yeah. it, everything feels like it's in slow motion. Like that's, I don't know what to like. I even the that. one that and even the one that ended up like I remember like the one that I was able to save the amount of thoughts that went through my head like as it was happening then I watch it back and I'm like I don't understand how that many different thoughts like went through yeah. my head like mm. even Did you know that, you were gonna save it like as soon as it ha as it happens it I like felt good about it mm. and it was like but then like I get my hands on I'm like I got it but then I think I got in a little fight with the goalkeeper because we're like I'm supposed to get the ball and like go give it to yeah. the next person who's shooting and she would like kind of kicked it away and I was like running back and forth trying to chase the ball but it was like everything feels like it happens in slow motion and like gets very quiet 
I think some Lynn, you might relate to this. When whenever I like score a goal, sometimes I like know it's gonna go in before I even kick it because I like see the seas parting and I'm just like, oh, like this is where this ball needs to go, and then I just do it. But the times that you just wail at it and it goes over, you're like, yeah, that obviously was not in slow motion that time for me. But you're totally right. Sometimes it just everything slows down and you know exactly what to do. Yeah. And I think that's why, like for me, I'm so focused on like my preparation like so I can always fall back on what that is whether it's in PKs whether it's taking a PK whether that's just preparing for a game in general like the more that I can like feel prepared the more things slow down because it's like I'm ready for this I trained for this like I studied for this like I knew this was going to happen like this is exactly what we've been preparing for and then it's about the execution and you just like you hope that like you're able to execute all of the different hours and hours and hours that you put into like one second of something to do. Um, Liz, do you mind sharing the um, dream you had that you shared with me after the whole thing? It was weird. Like all day long, I was like, I felt like I was back in. Same thing happened in the Olympics for the Netherlands. I just like had this feeling in the pit in my stomach all day long. Like we're going to a shootout. Like it just like, I don't know why I was just like, it's going to go to a shootout. So I'm like, okay, going to be in a shootout. And I even was like, I don't know why it's going to be like, it's going to be zero, zero. I just like felt it was going to be zero, zero. I saw myself taking one like, and I'm not very much like a visual, like not against visualization, but like, I'm not really a visualization, like kind of like centering person. And then like, even like my feeling went as far as like, I'm going to have to make like a double save. Like that's what like all these random things. And like, it literally played out. I'm like, I don't know if I like, overly manifested this but like obviously in my head in the visualization like we moved on and we we won but yeah it was like a very strange like all day long I just like had this feeling in the pit of my stomach that it was gonna go to PKs yeah list this is that's like crazy and this I like I'm dying that I'm even asking you this but like the moment where you were thinking you had saved it do you remember what you felt or what you were thinking i just remember thinking like when when she was stepping up to take it because we had just missed the one right before it so i knew that if they made it they would win i felt like their pks had been so good like in the whole like i felt like i was diving so like as far as i possibly could and they were all hitting like in the corner side netting so i just remember i was like i have to whatever way i'm going like i have to like get as far as i can and I remember, again, it like felt like it was in slow motion. I realized like as I was diving, I was like, oh, this is behind me. So I just like tried to get anything. Like you overdove. Yeah. Like I felt like I was like, it ended up diving past it. Yeah. And I was like, just trying to get anything on it. Truthfully, I will go to my grave claiming that I saved it. You cannot convince me otherwise. I'll go you, with can't, you can't I convince me either. I'll I don't go with care. You. I have the picture saved on my phone. I have looked at it an unhealthy amount of times since the game has ended. I've watched it over and over. I just, I, I don't there's think like you, there's no, like, there's a, no a, a, space I don't between think that ball and the line. Like, I, I don't think that you could convince me that. Like, I, I genuinely thought that I saved it. Like, well, listen, you remember it was like confusing too. Yeah. I didn't understand what she was saying. Yeah. I like, there's a picture of me like, like jumping. Cause I like thought that you saved it. And then all of a sudden I look over and they're like running towards the goal. And I was like, what? Yeah, it was like a very 
like strange feeling because it's like I I genuinely thought that I saved it. So I was like, all right, we're still in this. Like we're we've we're good. Like on to the next shooter. Like who's next? And then like I could see her going like this, and it was like when she blew the whistle and I watched them run. I don't think I can describe like the sinking feeling that that was, but like it was like it was the most bizarre way to end the game. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That was like a sinking feeling. And then another sinking feeling like was watching you after when we were in the huddle, how upset you were. Cause then they had shown it on the screen, how yeah. close it was. And that was the first time we all saw the decision. And just to see you so visibly angry that like, you don't really get that way. So it was just like a double, this is real. This is happening. Because at first I was like, no, that's not happening. Like, they're going to go back no. and say like that. Yeah. That's I kept not waiting it. for them to be like, oh, yeah, you guys stop celebrating. We're coming. Yeah. <laughs> We're Me coming too. Back. Exactly. Me too. So I was saying exactly that. I was like, no, it's it, the ref's going to call it back. Yeah. So to see you so visibly upset like that, it was like another, for me at least, like sinking feeling of, oh, like this is actually real. Like we aren't going through. Yeah. And I think it's just like. It hits you like all in one moment, but then it also then spreads out. And I think the that anger, that emotion, that stuff, like, I mean, you guys have gone through, like, you know, better than anybody, like how much time and energy and like gets put into like the preparation for a tournament, what you sacrifice time with family, time with friends, like, and it's all worth, like, you do it for those experiences. You do it for the the honor to represent your country at a world cup like that's why you put in all that time and obviously it's no one game no one tournament comes down to one play but like in that moment like it felt like we lost the world cup by a millimeter like that's what it was like and we all know we hadn't played our best like in the group stage like we felt that we knew that and we wanted to like keep progressing through the tournament we wanted to prove that we were the team that we expected ourselves to be to play to that standard to that level and I felt like in that game that was the best performance that we had put together obviously yeah. we we still didn't score we couldn't like that find that little missing piece of like finishing it but I felt like it was like we that was a better performance that was our standard that was the team that we can be and then to like lose in that way and then not be able to like build off of that was I think like the most disappointing part. Yeah, I Alyssa, I agree. I think that like that was the most saddening part besides the whole not going through everything. But um, just that we had come together as a team and was like, okay, what can we do to help each other? Like, what did we need to get done? Like defensive line, middle, uh, uh, the midfielders and the forwards, like we all came together and finally put a performance out that we, besides like scoring a goal, we were like, okay, this is like, this looks more like us. So for it to then just be ripped out, but in that fashion of you making an incredible double save, and I'm going to continue to call it a save as well, because like, I'm not convinced either. And then confusion, like it was just, it was pretty devastating to be like, this is real. We're going home. And that's how we are going home. Yeah. You guys, I'm so sorry to make you both relive that. That felt horrible. Um, <laughs> In any whatever way we can move on from that, like you both did great. I'm so proud of you both. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. It was traumatic, I'm sure. But we're moving forward. The Olympics are next year. Such a quick turnaround. How do you both feel about that? Is this uh, an exciting opportunity to just get right back on the horse and go again? 
Well, I feel like there's a lot of questions, but at the same time, yes. Like, yes, and what's happening? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there's, honestly, for me, I think the biggest thing is I'm, I'm looking forward to the September camp because I think the hardest part, not the not the hardest part, that's not true, but like one of the hardest parts about losing before a semifinal, and I had the same feeling in Rio um, in 2016, was like, once you've made the semifinal, you're guaranteed the two more games, whether it's like the semifinals and the final or the semifinal, you, like yeah. you're you at least now get like a definitive end date. Like a plan. Yeah, like you- you're And like, time with you're the like, team. Right, it's like, okay, we've got, this is our last practice. This is our last, like, everything. Like, this is the last game. When you lose in a tournament before that, it's like, just scatter. Mm. So there's like, there's no closure. There's no, like, yeah, we can like chat in the locker room and this and that, but like, it's still very raw. It's like very like everyone's honestly just in shock. You're just like, I felt like I kept wait, trying to be like, okay, wake up. The dreams, it's just a dream. Like that didn't just happen. The game is tomorrow. Like we're still fine. But it's like we that night get an email of like, okay, let me know by tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Like yeah, where like you're going way... and what like on the yeah. bus still like to the hotel because they now have to start booking flights. They've got to yeah. start yeah. like, so it's. And you don't get there, to like mourn or heal with anybody. You just go all go your separate ways. At least at the yeah. Olympics, we like hung out after and like we were all kind of in it together and we had mimosas and we like kind of recovered as a group. Well, yeah, that that's the thing too. Like you, you're trying to say bye to people, but it's just like whoever you find in passing, yeah. you're like, okay, bye. Like I may come back. I might not come back. Where are you going? This is where I'm going. Like there was just no, I was pretty shocked to find that out. Cause I was expecting it to be like, I don't know, we would go back. Maybe the next day we have like a closing meeting, but the next day people were gone. I was like, I haven't seen this person since the game and I won't see them who knows until when. So I think for me, it's like, I don't even think I can look that long-term yet because mm -hmm. I just want to get to September and like get back in with the group. Again, you go through a tournament and it's like, from the good and the bad like it galvanizes the group like the group becomes like one unit like you go through like obviously there was a lot of talk from the outside there's a lot of like all these things that are being said about the team good bad and ugly and i think through it all the group stayed together like we had a plan we had each other's backs we had like all of that and again like our standards are our own standard we put so much into this experience into this tournament like believe me like we're more disappointed than anybody about how it ended like about not yeah. being able to perform to our standards to our expectations to like that's the hardest part like you prepare you prepare you prepare you prepare and then we didn't execute it's like i always talk about like when a whenever i watch the olympics and it's like somebody running a hundred meter dash i'm like you train four years for 10 seconds mm -hmm. like that's mind-boggling to me and like you just have to hope and pray like in that 10 seconds nothing that because you can always lose you can always win but what you hope is like what happens if that's the one time that like your hamstring like something happens that's yeah, like, like so outside start. of outside of your control like somebody yeah. else trips or does something so it's like ours is similar it's like you have four years to prepare for now we get obviously three guaranteed games so it's a little bit different than like a track event or a swimming event but that's the disappointment of it too it's like 
we spent so much time like preparing and coming together game plan all these things and like and then we didn't execute like we didn't we didn't get it done and like that is now what we have to evaluate what we have to go back and look at it how do we move forward from that so that's what i'm looking forward to september yeah i think that like these moments help you grow the most like as devastating as they are because like you said it's four years of your life that you're just like it that's and it's not even four years it's your whole career to get to this point I feel like this September camp is such a a moment of like new that I'm like excited to get the group back together but also there's going to be a new coach there's going to be a new GM there's like there's going to be a whole newness that's in some way exciting, but also like very nerve wracking because you just, you, you never know. You never know if like this coach is going to favor you. You never know. Like there's like a plethora of things and obviously Twyla is the interim. So there's going to be some familiarity there, but what are like, does that make you nervous? Are you excited about that too? I think all of the, but like nervous, excited, anxious, like I think that everything goes into it. I think I'm in an interesting position because I think there's also so much change in newness in Chicago also. So I feel like there's nothing in my life that's remotely stable at the moment, just of like everything is what's going to happen with new owners, what's going to happen with the team next year, what's going to happen with all that stuff, even with my club. And now you put in like, don't know what's going on with the national team. Like, what's the coach going to look like? What's their plan going to be? Olympics are 11 months away. Like, what does that look like? So I think it's, Oh my God, I just, my heart just skipped a beat for a second. <laughs> like there, ah. there is excitement. There is like, there's nerves. There's like all of it. But I think that's like, that's why we still do it. Like, that's why it's like those little pieces of it that, you know, there is the excitement in the newness. Like newness is always scary. Change is always scary. It's why we always try to hold on to not changing because you'd always almost rather like fail with what's known than explore what's not in a weird way which like it probably shouldn't be that way but we're like we hold so tightly onto mm. um like what we know and is I think, there anything that you're like looking or hoping for for the new coach i think just for me with with how the team goes forward i think it's whoever the coach is like how can we get the the most and the best out of each individual player but like part of the collective i think how can we best fit like we have so many talented players, not just in the group of 23 that we just had, but even like extending beyond that. And how can we like hone in on what each special skill is and like create a a new identity, but that is also like representative of the 25 years that have come before us. Like how can like, and I think that's the, like the fun part of a new challenge is it's our identity. It's like it's the new team's identity, but it's building off of all the building blocks of what's come before us. And each team that's come and like worn the jersey and represented the crest has like all left a mark in their own imprint on the federation and what it is. And like that's what we started building it on. And now it's our opportunity to like add our own little building blocks and create our own different things, building on the on the past and looking towards the future all in like one fell swoop. I love that answer, Alyssa. I think that was like so thoughtful. And after promising you softball questions, we literally just asked you like 25 of the most <laughs> difficult and emotional and gut-wrenching questions known to man. So I wanted to leave you by fulfilling our promise to ask you a softball. And that's why do people call you uncle? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a good question. <laughs> Did Steph start that? Steph started that when she was here in Chicago. And it was like, she started it because she would always call me when like she needed something. Like to either her car broke down or she needed to hang up a picture or like didn't have any like stuff. And I was always like, for better or for worse, I was like always available and always willing to come over and like help her with whatever like it was that she needed. So it was like, she started referring to me as uncle. She was like, you're the dependable, reliable person that like is always able to do, knows how to do whatever I'm asking you to do. So she started calling me uncle and I fought it for a long time. I was like, I don't really love this. Like this isn't not my favorite. And I was like, you know what? Nicknames are endearing. All kind of like, it wasn't going anywhere. So I just kind of embraced it. And that's like a good, it's like a compliment though. Yeah, I think once I, like, realized, like, the, she explained it of, like, why it was, like, a compliment. I was like, okay, that's, I'll take that. I'll, I'll, I can be referred to as reliable and dependable. Yeah, you're like, can you just call me those things, though? Not uncle. (laughs) Well, I hate to say it, but Uncle Mayor, thank you so much for coming on (laughs) Stacks. We just need one last thing from you, and it's just a chomp. (laughs) Incredible. Love it. Adobe is committed to celebrating and supporting women and sharing their stories and being successful in exploring their passions. As the official creativity partner to the NWSL, Adobe is bringing together creativity and women's sports to help the NWSL players and fans develop their creative skills and express their passions on and off the field. Adobe recently launched their inaugural Creator Class, a professional creativity program designed to give emerging women creators with a passion for soccer in creative fields the opportunity to earn commissions for projects. It's really cool. You can check out these creators' work on adobe.com. Adobe believes creativity inspires and drives positive change and that everyone is creative. You can join in by using Adobe Express and using the hashtag MakeItBold. The next segment is brought to you by Adobe, who want to remind soccer fans everywhere that by using Adobe Express, you can hashtag MakeItBold. Okay, the boldest moment of the 2023 Women's World Cup for me, had to be, and because this is Alyssa's snacks episode, her taking a PK and making it because that was sick. That was so sick. The only goalkeeper to ever take make a penalty kick in a World Cup. That was incredible. And then we talk about this. She just walks right back in goal. I know. To defend it. After, like, hearing her talk about it, too, and all the things that she had to, like, think about, to be able to, like, put that aside and then just, like, step up and be like, it was right down the middle too, wasn't it? I know. It was yeah. so sick. That's my boldest moment. That was very bold. I totally agree. For me, I'm going to have to give it to Olga Carmona of Spain scoring the World Naturally. Cup winning goal in the final. I feel like she took such tactical advantage of a mistake from England, mm-hmm. made this nice overlapping run, adjusted her body before she shot and put it in exactly a ball-sized hole in between the goalkeeper and the post. It was an incredible goal and to do it in such a huge moment. I think was very bold, Olga Carmona. I agree. Make your soccer fandom stand out. Create your fan posters, dances, and reels with the new all-in-one Adobe Express. Get started now at express.adobe.com. Before we go, let's take a look at what lies ahead this season in the NWSL, as well as this season on Snacks. Okay, so this season on Snacks, NWSL, the Challenge Cup. Next week is the end of the Challenge Cup. There's a semifinal next Wednesday. The Current versus The Courage is Wednesday at 8 Eastern time. And then The Rain versus Louisville is 10 p.m. Eastern time. So a fun little doubleheader. I know. And 
apparently the last of the Challenge Cup has been announced. It is not renewing, so we're going to have to talk about that next week. The winner of those two games will be, I already said that, the league. (laughs) (laughs) There are only five match days left as of this episode, which means it is shaping up to be a tight race. The top to the bottom land is like within 10 points. It's like absurd. I know. Like anybody could win. (laughs) I know. I feel like not to brag about my soccer (laughs) career, but like this is like the first time I'm experienced this tight race because normally like when we were in the courage we were like oh we made it just we get in the shield back in july (laughs) i know but now it's like it's so tight the bats are in good position to take the shield girls good good um well the top six teams will make playoffs which begin october 22nd and as for snacks we will be with you every week i think through the nwsl championship bringing you all the updates fun friendships and everything else you need to know all the bits and bobs um okay we also have a fun new feature do you want to talk to them about it i really do we are gonna take your voicemails and maybe play them on the show and answer your questions so by calling in and leaving a voicemail you are consenting to have your voicemail perhaps played on snacks if you have a Mm -hmm. question that you want to ask us or anything that you want to compliment us about you can call us Yes, you can call us at 917-565-9531. That is 917-565-9531. Just save that in your phone as Lynn and Sam. Yeah, you basically have our phone numbers now. Okay, well, we're very much so looking forward to hearing from you. Next week on the podcast, we have Ashley Hatch. That's our one spoiler we can give you all. Please don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Like this review from L Spotifora T that says, Could a podcast get any more perfect? Great host, great guest, and great banter. Perfect mix of soccer and real life. Always laughing while listening. Best part are the free-flowing conversations. When you get to tell that they are staying away from the notes... (laughs) Um, yeah, we, we get away from the notes a lot. Um, Sam and Lynn slay and everything to, so tune in every week is a no brainer. All right, Sam, one last thing. One last thing. One last thing. Do you guys want to hear about more of my house woes? Here we go again. My freaking hot water heater exploded. Exploded. Exploded with water. Do you want to know, like, this is the response that I get. Oh, yeah, that just happens. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, there's no Who alarm. Everybody says that. Everybody I tell, oh, yeah, it just, like, busted. They're like, yeah, that just, like, happens. Like, every eight years, like, you just got to be, like, on your toes. And I'm like, what? My house flooded. Like, what do you mean? It didn't flood. I'm being, like, so dramatic. But it did, like, ruin one day of my life. Remember in um, <laughs> North Carolina when... <laughs> our apartment flooded (laughs) was that because the hurricane or the washing machine no that was because it was a flash flood and like the way the water was draining it was draining into the apartment complex and our kitchen was our kitchen was flooded but you remember you were mad at me because i was icing and you thought that i just like left my ice on the counter that dripped onto the floor and you were like lynn and i was like what it's flooding And I was like, my little bag of ice did not flood the kitchen. (laughs) Well, anyways, that was our one last flood story. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snacks is produced by Jay Wolf, Lauren Day, Patrick Cadino, and John Murray. For more great women's sports content, go to JustWomenSports.com and be sure to follow Just Women Sports on all your favorite channels. I'm Sam Ewis. And I'm Lynn Williams, and you've been listening to Snacks, delivered by Grubhub. Ow.